Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 17 of Swimming Upstream and the first of mine and Daniel's Monday recaps, where on the full day off for the minor leagues, we will be recapping what we've seen in the past week and previewing what's coming up in the week ahead. So we have a ton to get to today, Daniel. I know you're just as excited as me. So let's get to it, man. Absolutely. So excited to do this. Um, the idea, right, Alex, is we're going to do a few of these uh, podcasts. We may be doing also some lives, but the idea is to have these uh, Monday um, shows here so we can talk to you guys, um, our listeners, and, and really get that discussion going with our minor league system. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got a ton to get to. Uh, we're uh, on a time crunch as well, as we talked about off the air, Daniel. So I want to get right to it. Uh, we're going to go through each level and just pick out maybe one or two guys that stood out to us uh, in what they did this past week. And then we may take some questions at the end if we have time. So the first one that we want to talk about, Daniel, I want to mention your guy. I want to mention Yuri Perez, who threw on opening day. Um, I was in attendance for that start in Port St. Lucie. Um, this is a guy who I know you love, uh, but uh, he looked as advertised, man, from what we've seen from him on Instagram. He's up to 97 pretty consistently in that first inning. He dipped a little bit. Uh, low uh, in that last inning of work, especially didn't really top 95 much, but also didn't go, go below 93. Um, his second inning, he kind of got in trouble because of some errors, but he did strike out the side, uh, uses a size. Well, I thought pitches move all over the place, really good spin rates showed that wipeout ability with the slider and a good curveball. So as you mentioned before, and as I've mentioned to you, Daniel, uh, I do believe that he speeds up and slows down the delivery, depending on what pitch he's thrown. Uh, kind of see guys starting to time him a little bit second time through the order, but he has the stuff to combat that, especially at the lower levels. So yeah, tons of reason for you and everybody else to be excited about him. As you said, man, as advertised. Um, and it's great that you were able to go to the stadium and see him up close. He's a mountain, isn't he? Yeah, dude's huge. <laughs> He's huge, huh? Six, nine. Um, fun fact, youngest player in all of the minor leagues. Yeah. This guy. That's crazy, man. I mean, he he made the team opening night starter. Um, he pitched well, <laughs> and he is the youngest player in all of the minor leagues. Not Marlins. We're talking four levels for all 30 MLB teams. He's the youngest guy. So, again, be excited. Um, I want to talk about my, my pitching standout here for Jupiter is actually um, – Jackson Rose, yeah, a reliever, a right-handed reliever, 6'2", 185 pounds, nine Ks in five innings pitched. Man, I mean that was that was a really good week, really good week for him. Didn't allow any runs. Um, if he continues like this, he's uh, definitely a candidate to be promoted very quickly. He's pretty old for this level at 25, so these results aren't that surprising. Um, so, so yeah, expect this guy to be promoted if he just has one or two more weeks like this, like, like, like this one. Um, mostly used as a starter in 2019 with okay results in, in Batavia. So excited to see this guy um, show us what he can do. Yeah, just hitters. Real, yeah, just real quick on, on Jackson Rose. Um, kind of always been a little bit of a late bloomer, right? He wasn't recruited to Minnesota until his junior year. He played in Juco and summer ball before that. Like you said, in 2019, as a starter, he's been converted to a reliever and he looks really good. Multiple innings capability. And I really like his curveball. So yeah, I think he's going to be really good if he gets pushed. I would like to see him get pushed here pretty shortly. He is 25. Absolutely, man. Um, regarding hitters, um, 
I got like two guys, but you know, like, my two guys are Osiris and, and uh, VM Jr. <laughs> did you have the same guys, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I did have the same two. Um, just right? real, yeah, real quick on Osiris. This dude is transformed physically. Mm-hmm. He looks to have added like 20 plus pounds since we last saw him. He's got the hair grown out. Just looks like a different <laughs> player, right? Um, really great swing and some of the bat speed that I've ever seen. Me and Ian Smith were sitting in the stands just marveling at this guy's bat speed. Probably the best in the organization. Also good defense, I thought. Uh, he did have a little couple of hiccups there, but that's to be expected first game of the season, right? Really good range. Um, I think me and you both agree he will move um, to third base. Uh, he's showing that extra base power and arm strength to do so. Yeah, so what do you think of Osiris? That's really important um, because we know we can hit. You know, Everybody forgot about this kid. I've mentioned this before because he was injured all of 2019, but he's still young. Um, and he's got a beautiful swing, as you mentioned, elite bat speed. So it's very important that he can also do it on the fielding side. So it's good that you saw him and, and, and you saw him move well out there. And whether he stays at shortstop or not, probably not with our shortstop depth. Um, it's really important that, that, that he can handle uh, an infield position. So I really I definitely uh, want to see what this kid can do. Um, again, still young. So he's got the power. Three extra base hits with, with two of those being home runs. So love to see it. 370 LBP. My other guy was VM Jr. who missed um, about half of the week, maybe a bit less than half of the week because of a back issue. Um, but he's just looking good. That lefty swing, it really is beautiful. 313 average, no power yet, but that'll definitely come with that swing. Yeah, all singles, uh, five for his first 16. But we heard uh, Ian mention he was out at a couple more of the games than I was. I was only at the first one. We heard him mention about uh, him showing some thump with the bat. He's got a little bit more uppercut to his swing. If he can tap into power potential, man, this is a guy that can hit for a good average and maybe 20 plus homers. And a lot of evaluators think that he can do that. So I think he's really imp- in- matured a lot mentally. I've said that kind of in the past. I think I said that to Pete on his podcast uh, recently. Going from this wide-eyed kid, I think he let the lights kind of hit him hard there in that that 2019 season, right? When he came, when he first came over, um, kind of let the lights hit him a little hard. Um, you know, he was always asking photographers to like take his picture and stuff and like for stuff to put on his Instagram. So I really think training with, with Miggy matured him. And yeah, I, th- I think he's really ready now to go out there and play a full season's worth of baseball. So yeah, he jumped up pipelines list for a reason. And I think we're starting to see why um, the only other guy I wanted to talk about with Jupiter, Daniel really quickly is Dalvi Rosario. Um, this guy is a kind of a guy that's kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, he's had a hit in five of their six games that he's played in so far. He's seven for his first 23. Never the biggest dude, but he's put on a lot of weight since we last saw him. He's listed at six foot 185. Um, when we got him in the international draft, I think he was like six foot, like 155, 160. So he's put on some weight since then, plays multiple spots. Saw him play some really good third base uh, in that first game this year that I was at. And it looks like he's continued to do so. Seems like that's where the Marlins want him. Um, he's spent most of his time in the organization there so far. Really quick bat, some hidden power to it due to the bat speed. So yeah, I, I really like him. He signed a day after his 16th birthday in 2016 for $125,000. He's now 20. And man, he just he just looks good. I mean, he looks like a guy who's really matured. So uh, I'm excited to see him uh, the rest of the year. Absolutely agreed. Um, he's been getting better, better. and He's been challenged by the, by the organization. So... Let's see how he, how he responds. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to move on. We'll go to uh, single A advanced with the Beloit snappers. They go two and four in their first series as a Marlins affiliate. They have a negative 10 run differential, 
Uh, they play uh, actually their next series uh, back at home at Pullman Field in Beloit. And yeah, uh, our first standout that I want to talk about, Daniel, is Connor Scott, who went nine for 25 with two doubles, a triple, and his first home run. Uh, also added in a steal. Uh, all his tools on display, man. Just just everything out there, like just looks really, really, really improved in terms of his um, swing and his swing path. I've said this before. I think he's taken a lot of the loop out of that swing and he's just added in a, a slight uppercut to it and it's tapping into some power, added some size as well. And he just gets to every baseball and covers the plate. So I really, really like him. Uh, I've liked him in spring training. I like him now. And I think that 20 plus, 2020 potential, uh, that's really starting to show. And I think he could probably hit for a good average as well. So what do you see from Connor? You know, I've been high on this guy for a while now. Um, a lot of people out on him. Uh, I, I, I think I've mentioned this before in Face Tribes podcast. I was like, this guy's going to be a top 100 guy by the end of 2021. And I'm maintaining that. And, and he responded in the off season. And again, in the, in the lost year, he looks stronger. You know, he, he just looks, he, he's playing the part. Um, and he's one, one of two guys from our organization who hit a, bo- a bomb out of the, uh, out of the ballpark for, for their teams. Um, we're definitely talking about, about the other guy later on, but extremely excited about Connor Scott. You know, he, if he puts it together, he has five tools. He's, he's as simple as that. Yeah, I, I think I think we're starting. We're going to see the realization of Connor Scott as a, as a big time prospect. I think he's a guy who's going to really, really open some eyes. Uh, slow start to his career, obviously the missed season, but I think he's here to stay right now, and he's doing really well with Boyd. I think he keeps it up. Uh, I wanted to go to the next. Uh, topic and I wanted to bring in a question from our friends at Beloit Rockers on Twitter who run the awesome Beloit River Rockers account we've heard from them before he always asks great questions so I wanted to get to his question this is our first question we have a couple more but uh, he wanted to know he says Kyle Nicholas undoubtedly had the best pitching performance of the week for Beloit who else on the staff stood out to you so I'll let you go ahead with this one Daniel sure uh the easy easy answer for me here I guess is McCambly Zach McCambly well, not an amazing start. I mean, not, not an amazing beginning to his start. Uh, I did like what, what what I ended up seeing: seven Ks and in four innings. That's you know that's very good. He was throwing a bit softer than than what I had him at. Um, I had him more like in the mid nineties. He was in the eighty nine to ninety two range, um, but still commanding it. You know, commanding that fastball well and doing a, a great job with his with his specialty curveball that we know he has didn't see much of the changeup, but um it's still you know it just it just doesn't seem to be very crisp when he throws it yet so he's gonna need to really work on it um he will want 100 need that as a starter yeah and j- just to i mean obviously it's four innings we're not going to delve into it too much but Outside of two doubles led up to Hayden Cantrell, who's a Brewers top uh, 20 prospect, I believe. If you take out those two doubles, his line would have been four innings, two hits, one run, one walk, and seven strikeouts. So yeah, Hayden Cantrell really hurt him. But other than, other than him, he kind of really stifled that, uh, that uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers lineup. So I think it was a good start for him. As Daniel said, I don't think we saw all of his velocity. This is a guy who has the ability to hit like in touch, at least the upper nineties and usually sits mid nineties. 
he was a little bit down on that. You kind of corroborate that to his first start, probably just trying to get the feel, get the arm back going, you know, hit his spots mostly. And it looked like, looked like he did so. And, and that curveball, it was labor labeled as one of the best pitches in the draft. And we saw why, because he was throwing that thing in and out of the zone for strikes. It's got really tight late break. It sits at like 80 miles an hour. Really, really, really good pitch. But as Daniel mentioned, um, the changeups what we need to see. He's going to need that as a lot of starters do. Even Max Meyer is going to need his changeup. But yeah, McCambley's definitely another guy who's going to need to develop that changeup. You didn't see it a lot in this start. Obviously, it's his first start of the year. But going forward, that's what you want to see is you want to see him starting to throw and gain a better feel for his changeup. Yeah, regarding his velo, it also seemed pretty cold um, that day in, in um, where they were playing with the Timber Rattlers yep. Stadium. So that also has to do with, with um, that lower velo that we were um, lower than we were expecting. But yeah, so he's, I would say, the, the other uh, pitcher who, who stood out for, to me from Beloit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll get to one more question from Beloit Rockers. Um, and it's basically on a whole uh, from what he's seen so far from uh, his, his beloved uh, Beloit, Beloit snappers. And uh, this is a great question. He wants to know, Beloit hitters uh, lead the high A central with 66 strikeouts. Is this just a bad week or will this continue to be an issue? Uh, I'll, t- I'll take this one first, Daniel. Um, you kind of have some main culprits here. The first one is Griffin Conine. He's a Marlins top 30 prospect, and I think the only thing holding him back from being a major player in the future in this outfield is a swing and miss. Me and you have talked about this before. It's always been his issue, and it's following him into 2021. He has 12 strikeouts in his first 23 at-bats, so striking out in more than half of his at-bats so far, and he's swung at some really uncompetitive pitches. Um, Did have some good swings in Saturday's game. He doubled and singled, but then Sunday, three more strikeouts. So the question is, Daniel, he went through spring training, uh, you know, minor league spring training development team and older guys all around him from higher levels. And now he's assigned to his level. And here we all are again with the huge K rates. So I'll pose a question to you. He's almost 24 years old. Can he fix this? Or is this the point where his die is kind of cast and we're looking at a guy who's going to be a streaky major league hitter with a lot of strikeouts? I think Griffin is always going to be a high strikeout guy, but doesn't mean he has to be a 40% strikeout guy. You know, it can be a 28, it can be a 30%. If he can get to that to to that percentage to that rate, he'll be fine. Um, and, and regarding that question, I unfortunately believe that the strikeouts will continue for this lineup. You know, this lineup is a big power, high strikeout lineup. So I do think Beloit fans need to get um, kind of accustomed to it. Um, guys like Conine, Thomas Jones, Banfield, yeah. they will always strike out a ton, but they'll also provide three run home runs. You know. So it, it, it's, it's that kind of team. Uh, what the Marlins organization needs, as I mentioned before, is for these guys to tone down, down those, those strikeouts. Again, not 35%, but 28, 30 um, to 30 tops, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, this is why they didn't challenge Conine to double A. It's, it's to solve this. So that's what he needs to, to, um, to concentrate on. You know, he can't just, he, he has to bring that down, hopefully without sacrificing too much of his power. So it's a fine line. We don't want him to become just a slap hitter, right? But he does need, need to bring those K numbers down. Then he can be challenged with double A, show what he has there. And if he's good, then he'll get his shot at MLB. Yeah, and I definitely agree. I just wanted to go back. You mentioned one other guy that I had as a main culprit here with Will Banfield. 
So Will Banfield, um, he did hit a homer. Uh, that's his only hit. Uh, it was a nice home run, but of course that's his only hit so far uh, in 23 at bats. He also added in one walk, but yeah, just the one hit the home run and 10 strikeouts to go with that. Um, Will said to us during spring, uh, spring training that he has been more focused on swinging at strikes. And so far this year, unlike Griffin Conine, I think he's done that. He's swinging at good pitches. He just isn't catching up and getting the good part of the bat on the ball just yet. Um, and then he is late sometimes. So that's the reason for the strikeouts. Maybe a little bit of timidness, unwillingness to commit to the swing too early. I think that could be hurting uh, Will Banfield. Maybe he's thinking about it a little too much uh, and not just show, showcasing that swing when he knows the strike is coming. Maybe pitches that are you know just on the corners or on the edges. He may be a little timid to swing at, I think, right now. He's taken a lot of strikes so far this year as well that I've seen. So, yeah, uh, I think that will work itself out as the season goes on. But it's good to see Banfield swinging at better pitches because he was not always doing that the last time we saw him. So a good baby step for Will Daniel just needs to be a little more confident, I think. Absolutely. Um, I'm still really high on, on Will. It's it's one week. Um, he's a wizard back there as a catcher. Like, you just see him and you know how he moves, how he frames, um, how he – communicates with his pitcher like you know that defensively he'll be absolutely fine he just needs to fine-tune the offensive side and just one bad week isn't gonna isn't gonna hopefully dampen him or, or and it definitely won't dampen me on 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 what I feel this guy can be again he's never gonna be a Mike Trout as a hitter but if he can Get that average to the 260s, 330s OBP, hit his 15 to 20 bombs. We're talking about an everyday catcher here with the defense that he brings. Yeah, definitely agree. We had one more question on Beloit to get to quickly, and then we'll move on. Daniel uh, is from Eli Sussman, of course, from Fish Stripes, our buddy. He's asking about Nick Reddy. Uh, Eli says, uh, among all the bat first prospects in the Marlins organization who are getting regular playing time, Nick Reddy's numbers really stick out in a bad way. How concerned are you? So I'll let you field this one. Not much. Um, for any of our guys uh, who are struggling, I'd say I'm not concerned for, for anyone right now. Um, we have to remember that the grand majority of these guys haven't played pro ball in more than a year. And uh, Reddy specifically jumped two levels since the last time he played. He just needs to adjust. You know, he played in short of, you know, Batavia. Um, so in theory, he should be playing, not for his age, but if he was doing a natural, a natural progression of levels, he should be playing in low A, but they challenge him, right? They say, Hey, now you're ready for high A, go go to Beloit. Um, and so one week of, of bad hitting, it was not going to make me worried for him as just as I'm not worried for our other guys who who are struggling like Burdick or Blade in Pensacola, you know, it's, it's only a week. Yeah, and I think it's way too early to worry about anybody. We played six games uh, after uh, missed season. A lot of these guys, especially at the lower levels, didn't take part in major league spring training. Some of them did, but not a lot. So, yeah, I mean, these guys are just getting their feet back underneath them. But, yeah, as far as Nick Reddy, I actually went back and looked at a couple of his at-bats. We're not going to base his whole season off of this at all. Uh, It's 18 at-bats, one hit, five strikeouts. He had an RBI single for his only hit, and he also had a sack fly. So uh, I look back at a couple of his at-bats. I, I think overall, like Banfield, he swings at good pitches. Um, and I, I don't think his mechanics are, are bad. I think he has good vertical tra- uh, transitioning with the power, good vertical power transition. He doesn't drop his elbow that much. 
Uh, so, you know, you see like little signifiers like that, that this guy could be a good hitter. And I think that's why he hit 10 home runs in 2019 with Catavia. Um, you know, he's obviously got that clear cut power tool. I do think he was gripping the bat pretty tight in this six game series. So his hands aren't very loose. That could be a reason why maybe just overdoing it at the plate right now, getting away from that looseness that he kind of did have with Batavia. You want to see him get back to that. Um, I do think his season in Batavia was slightly lucky. He had a 335 Babbitt um, and then 10 home runs, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, I think the power numbers will stick, but I think his batting average as a player is more in the 250 range than in the range of, I think, like 260, 270 that we saw in Batavia. So, yeah, it's a guy that's going to strike out. He's going to have his struggles, but it's a power first bat. And he needs to maintain that looseness. And if he gets back to that, I think he could definitely stick as a uh, first baseman or corner infielder, most likely a first baseman here in uh, Major League Baseball. So, yeah, not too worried yet on, on, on Nick Reddy. I think he's got 15 to 20 homer power potential for sure. All right, Daniel, we're going to go to the upper levels. Uh, we'll go to double A. Oh, man, the Wahoos. They go four and two, mostly on the backs of their pitching. And the first guy we got to mention, of course, is Max Meyer. Um, what a beautiful beginning to this partnership with Max Meyer, with the, with the Wahoos, with Max Meyer getting that start in the first game. Absolute beast. Comes out in his pro debut, just kills it. The slider we heard, of course, was the best, the best pitch in the draft. And now we know why. <laughs> Another guy, though, like McCambly uh, that we mentioned before, you want to see where he is with that changeup, right? Um, and we saw a few. He didn't throw many, but we did see a flash or two. Earliest ones he threw, we saw going to dirt. Daniel, you told me he was probably gripping it too hard. I definitely agree with you. He kind of spiked him. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, but when he hit the release with it later in his four innings of work, I thought the pitch was good. Um, it's got like a little bit of two-plane break and fade to it. Sits about 83, 84, can touch 85. He showed he can throw it for strikes. Uh, again, he didn't throw many like McCambly, but we did see flashes. Need to see that more, of course, as we mentioned with McCambly. But yeah, as lethal as this guy already is, Daniel, with the uh, slider and the fastball, how good can he be if he adds that change up? Oh, he's really confident about it. He Every time they, anybody asks him about it, he's like, I can throw it at any count. Yeah. Um, he's really happy with it. And um, I absolutely believe he'll get it. Um, he's He seems that kind of guy, um, that competitive guy willing to learn. Um, so he was just as advertised. I mean, there's not much to say about him. Um, if you saw the game, you just know he's, he's a – you know, he's just power, you know, he's, he's pitching, he dominates the, the game. Um, so I loved what I saw that this guy's going to be so good. Um, Tuesday is his next start. I believe he'll, <laughs> he'll get more chances to pitch and we'll, we'll definitely see that change up more since he'll probably need to, um, he'll need to go th third time through the lineup this time, at least to start it. Yeah. And like you said, it's a guy that, that has always had that change up. He mentioned that to us not too long ago, we heard him say, but he just didn't need the pitch when he was pitching in college because how good that slider fastball combo was. So he just didn't use it. So maybe a little rust on it. I think he just needs to dust it off, but yeah, if he can, uh, you know, I guess reaccess that pitch, this is a guy that's going to be ace potential for sure. Uh, and then a night later we get Jake eater. Um, Bro, I'm, I'm still mindful. How about Jake eater, man. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, 12 strikeouts, hitting 97, three pitches. I mean, how good was this guy in this situation, Daniel? First pro start, double A. Um, doesn't have the prospect pedigree quite as Max Meyer, so you maybe expected it a little more. Still impressive from Meyer, of course, but you maybe expected a little more out of Max. 
But then Eater just comes in and just stays right with him. So just swings and misses in and out of the zone, all around the zone as well, just overmatching guys. And this is his first pro start. So this is why we heard the Pensacola staff say they wanted this guy on this team. He's more than ready for this challenge. I was surprised when he got it, but hey, he looks like he's ready. Uh, he should go again here um, probably on Wednesday, I would say. Uh, that'll definitely be another game to watch, as will all of his starts this year. So, yeah, quick thoughts on Eater. The only guy out of the first round of last year's draft to make it to double A. That's him. He's the only guy. The only others are like three or four first rounders, Max Meyer included. Um, this guy was challenged, and we've been hearing it throughout uh, all of last year. Um, Miami is really high on him, and they they um, turned down trade proposals because other teams were hearing how good this guy was going to be. We didn't know, right? We didn't really have reports, only what these guys were saying. You know, he's good, he's good, he's good. Well, now we know. <laughs> he's freaking good. Um, he, he's got the stuff. Let, let's, see, let's see how he does on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll just get a quick thought here moving on to the bats. I mean, this pitching staff is, is really good. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, 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 we know what we have there. I mean, Eater was ridiculous, and then Meyer, of course, before that. Yeah, so those are going to be the, the two to watch. But this whole staff is good. Anyways, I want to get to the offense, which hasn't been robust uh, lately. We mentioned, or to start, we mentioned that, Daniel. I've had some questions about this in my DMs and elsewhere. Um, it's a slow start. You want, of course, you want to see guys like Blade and Burdick really and come out and, and mash the baseball. It hasn't happened. Blade is four for 20 with seven strikeouts. Also has five walks, though. And Burdick is two for 19. He did have, did have the one home run, but not much outside of that. Eight Ks, but also six walks for Peyton Burdick. So I'll tell you what I think, but I want to get your thoughts first, Daniel, on what you thought of those two, that pair, Blade and Burdick. They're at bat so far. Seems really patient, but just not a ton of contact yet. Yeah, of course. Not worried at all. Uh, again, adjusting, adjusting, adjusting. Yeah. For some guys, it's easy. For some guys, it isn't. Um, I did, uh, didn't did check the numbers, but I did feel Blade got a bit babbit, babbipped to death. Yeah. Um, but I, I obviously want to see him just hit the ball harder. You know, a few singles here and there. He'll get it. You, you and I have seen him. We've seen him in spring training. You know, one week is, is, is nothing. You know, let's see how he does this week and, and moving forward. But you know, if there's guy, there's one guy I am not worried about in this system is, is um, JJ Bleday. Yeah, for sure. And, and you kind of echoed what I think too, uh, Daniel. These guys are getting used to being back out there. They're learning how to time pitchers again. You know, a lot of these guys at a new level, uh, Blade and Burdick uh, included. And early this season with guys being eased back in on terms of pitchers, uh, pretty much league-wide, you haven't seen the same pitcher more than once or at the most twice in most games, right? So that's definitely playing a part, I think, all these different looks. So these guys will show up. I think it's just a matter of time. You know, they see the same pitchers. We're going to be seeing the same pitchers a lot, these six game series and everything, limited travel. So I think it's coming. It's just a matter of time. No reason to get any sort of worried about anything in the minor league baseball yet. So yeah, I, I think that will work itself out as the season goes along. So let's just uh, wait and see. So absolutely. Uh, Jar Encarnacion, as advertised, he's the other guy I mentioned before, bomb uh, to the parking lot. He got on base on a 40% clip. And just, you know, he showed his customary power. Struck out a bit too much, but he'll clean that up as the season goes on. He should probably be in the mid-20s, um, not mid-30s K rate. So, yeah, 
So loved what I saw from him. Lazaro Alonso, this guy, you know, he's a professional hitter. Um, he has been hitting the whole time since he's been, you know, with, been with uh, Miami. Problem is his fielding. So the DH uh, to the NL will definitely come as a big blessing for him. He'll get on base and hit the ball hard. Um, so those two guys really impressed. Yeah, you said it. I mean, uh, yeah, some some good bats there. And I think they're they're just on the brink of showing showing up um, not too much to get excited about here. The first six games of the season, but look for it to come pretty shortly. Uh, last, last level we got Daniel is the triple a level the Jacksonville jumbo shrimp. And this has been a movie highlight reel of highlights from this team. The jumbo shrimp returned to one, two, one financial field for the first time in over 600 plus days. This was the only level to start their season at home. And we saw fireworks on and off the field, man. They go four and two with 44 runs scored and 30 allowed. So a plus 14 run differential. So happy for that organization and all our friends there. Uh, Such a successful homestand. They sold out pretty much every game. Uh, The name we want to get to and call out first, Daniel, is Jesus Sanchez. This guy, he misses all of spring training. He's late getting going into the minor league uh, spring training. And he's playing the best baseball of his career. I'll ask you first, Daniel, what have you been impressed with most, most with Jesus Sanchez? Well, anybody who gets close to a 2000 OPS <laughs> in a week will impress me. He showed everything, you know, um, he, he just looks comfortable out there, patient at bats, at bats, um, solid knowledge of the, of the strike zone power. Um, I love his dancing during, during pitches in, in between pitches. He's just kind of, you know, dancing and moving around. Uh, Fish strikes put out a, a one minute video of him doing it. Um, it looks like he's ready. Uh, a, a lot of people down on him because of the bad, whatever, 38 bats he had with Miami last season. The kids need to adjust. We need to really understand that. Um, and he's just lighting the world on fire in at AAA, which is the highest minor league level. If he keeps this up until, I mean, if, if he plays like this, maybe not even like this, let's say he brings it a bit down, <laughs> gets cold enough to get to one you know, 1000 OPS um, by June where everybody's going to be shouting for this guy to come, come back up. And I don't think the Marlins will, will hold on him at all. Uh, he's in the 40 man roster. So um, he'll be in Miami soon. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, definitely agree. So uh, I'll tell you what I think on Jesus, but uh, Daniel, I know you have to go. You got uh, some stuff going on, not baseball related with work. So uh, thank you so much for coming on with me today. I'll try my best to finish this out solo on the couple of things we have left. Awesome, brother. Great talking to you as always. See you next Monday. Awesome. Yes, indeed. Guys, that's Daniel DeVivo, of course, my awesome partner uh, on Swimming Upstream and everything that we do on Fish on the Farm. A lot of it goes through Daniel. So pleased to have him in. I know he had a lot of stuff going on with, uh, with work and other stuff, and he was kind enough to join me here uh, for, this, uh, for this podcast. So we appreciate his time. All right. So uh, my thoughts on Jesus Sanchez, we got Daniels. Uh, for me, the biggest imp- impression I have with this guy is his hands. He's always had it. Uh, he's always had those really good hands, but now he's adding in this new ability to create launch angles. So some of the baseballs that this guy has even gotten to via those hands that I mentioned, let alone for to even touch the ball, <laughs> they go for extra bases, home runs, triples. It's just insane. I liken it to that home run that Ronald Acuna Jr. got off of Trevor Rogers this year, where Rogers just busted him in on the fist with 97 up and in, and Acuna is able to get the baseball out. This is a similar hands tool for Jesus Sanchez to Ronald Acuna Jr. 
really, really, really quick hands, the ability to get to get to any baseball. And now, like I said, he's creating that launch angle. You know, it, it's beautiful to see. Uh, yeah. So um, it's a guy that's also covering the plate really well. We saw that this series, saw that a couple times, including on that triple that I just mentioned. Then again, the ability to create that launch angle. This is the biggest improvement, I think, for Jesus Sanchez. This has been a really big thing that's been holding him back. In 2019, I believe his ground ball rate was up over 50%. He was hitting the ball hard because he has great back speed. And again, those really great hands, but he was just pounding the baseball into the ground, getting on top of the ball. This year, he's getting under the ball. He's timing his swings much better, really tapping into that power and bringing his game power tool a lot closer to his raw power tool. So that's what you love to see from Jesus Sanchez. Daniel mentioned it. He's out there dancing on the bases. I think we heard him say, in a uh, press conference right before he went down with his injury in spring training, that that was a focus for him, that he was kind of down on himself, you know, at, after he had to come up last year with the COVID situation. And then he went overseas and played there. He said he was kind of down on himself, not really enjoying the game very much. You see a lot of guys go through this. You hear Lewis Brinson mention this as well, that their focus is just to get out there and have fun. You kind of hear it organizational wide that this is the message that they want these guys to enjoy the game. And I think that's definitely evident in Jesus Sanchez. He's got this little dance that he does every time he gets on base. He's out there. You see him talking to the guys. He's laughing. He's smiling. So another really big facet. It's nothing mechanical. It's nothing, you know, in terms of his tools or what he's doing. It's just in terms of his mindset. I think this guy's in a really good place, right? So this is fantastic to see from Jesus just living up to his potential. You know, also just to mention on the defensive side, cannon arm you see this guy striking a guy down at the plate with a ball that he fielded from a stationary position and the ball didn't take a hop it was right into the base pass so yeah this is a guy i mean if he continues like this obviously it's just six games we have to see how he does but if he keeps on this path and hitting near this level this is a guy that's going to force him onto this team sooner rather than later brinson as good as he's been man he better keep it up because i could see him going back down uh for jesus sanchez so, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's, who's, who's on his way in a really, really big hurry. He's hitting 556 with a 1.646 OPS. It's one series, like I said, but average, batting average is fourth in, in minor league baseball and his OPS is sixth. Guys, his weighted runs created plus is 315, which is sixth in minor league baseball, all of minor league baseball. Ridiculous start, especially, like I said, considering his spring circumstances and missing all that time. So you'd love to see it. Uh, yeah. So uh, the guy that's not far behind him to get to another guy is Lewin Diaz. Um, different, different uh, path for him this spring. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, he goes from this timid hitter who was clearly overmatched at the big league level when he was called upon last season to a much bigger, much more confident, much better hitter. The start of it was that amazing winter league campaign this off season. Then he comes into spring, plays in a ton of games, shows some great signs. And now the start of triple A season, it's on full display, man. He goes eight for his first 26 in this series, three homers, 10 RBIs, two doubles, barely missed a fourth homer during that Sunday day game as well. OPS also up over a thousand. He and Jesus, by the way, just to get to this stat, he and Jesus, two of 14 guys in AAA baseball with 20 plus plate appearances and an OPS up over a thousand. So just a guy, like I said, that continues to build, continues to gain confidence, just getting closer and closer to his ceiling as a legitimate lefty hitting uh, power first first baseman that the Marlins gave up the likes of Sergio Romo and Chris Valamont for. So that trade, I think we could all say is a W. Um, one more guy, just to call him out really quick, an unheralded guy who we really didn't expect this from at all, is Brian Navarretto. Uh, we're looking for a, a plug at catcher right now, right? With Alfaro missing a lot of time. Uh, you know, you have Wallach and Sande Leon starting a lot of games. Offense is lacking. 
Uh, so yeah, Brian may not be the long-term answer, but what a series for this guy. Six for 17, two homers, a double, and a triple from a catcher. That's a catcher tripling. Just to point, put an exclamation point on that. Five RBIs. Uh, he has a 1.235 OPS and a 199 weighted runs created plus, which is top 30 in AAA. So yeah, it's an older guy. I think he's 26 years old going on 27, I believe. And he's had some really good swings. Was with, with the Marlins in spring training, terrible in 2019 with his previous organizations, uh, the Yankees, and I think he spent time with the Twins as well. So this is just literally out of nowhere. <laughs> of course, it's six games, but looks like a different player. And I really like his swing. Obviously, we don't think it's a piece for our long-term future, uh, at least not as a starter. But we could see Brian come up and make his big league debut sometime this year if he keeps anything remotely close to this level of production up. I think we can see it. Um, all right. Uh, just to jump to a piece of um, unfortunate news, uh, we got some bad news the other day on Joe Dunant, another guy who had an insane winter league campaign um, and then a really, really, really great spring training, really turned the corner as a prospect where the Marlins, you know, seemed like they were pretty much out on him, weren't inviting him to spring trainings, just just seemed to be not 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 overly interested in the future of Joe Dunan. And then he puts on a ton of muscle. He goes over uh, to the winter leagues overseas and kills it. And then he comes to spring training and man, he was really, really good there as well. Uh, so yeah, that same track as Lewin. Uh one game in, he goes down and looks like he'll be missing some time that hurts. So he goes through that same track as Lewin Diaz where he's improving, improving, improving. And now he's down with injury. I think it was thumb surgery, uh, hurt himself on a diving play. So you hate to see it for him. Uh, the Marlins did sign Devin Marrero back as well as Nicola Lovulo, excuse me, uh, as just some depthy pieces. So those were kind of the signifiers. And then we got the news the other day that, uh, that he's injured and he's going to be out with some thumb surgery. So you hope he gets back quickly. Um, you know, he was kind of at that career defining moment, turning the corner and proving himself. Hopefully he can pick it back up when he gets back. Hopefully it's not too long. Um, yeah. So uh, one last guy to shout out here for the Jacksonville jumbo shrimp that I really liked was Cody Poteet. Another guy who uh, took part in spring training really good in his first start of the year with Jacksonville. He pitched into the sixth inning in his first start at 88 pitches. So what does it say? Well, you see a lot of arms being limited. This guy is built up and he's ready to go. His line was 5.2 innings pitched, three hits, an earned run, two walks, and 10 strikeouts. That's 10 Ks for Cody Poteet. Four pitches, and he showed them all. Really good mix. Fastball to 95, curveball to the, low, to the high 70s, excuse me. So that velo set that I always love to see. Many of his Ks happened on that curveball. It's a great pitch. High arcing 12-6 kind of pitch. Dropped to his spot, and he can place it. He was placing it on the corners, placing it on the black. Also has a good moving slider and a pretty competitive changeup. So this is just a solid guy, unheralded guy, but he's able to stay on the field. He's able to stay healthy, full seasons in 2018 and 2019, knows his body, repeats, pretty simple mechanics, really like him as a back-end guy. And I think if the Marlins are going to call up a starter before they call up Sixto, Eddie, Eliezer, before those guys are back, if the Marlins need a starter, um, you know, I think we could see Cody Poteet. Uh, they did give Holloway the first opportunity, looked okay at times, but also struggled at times. Maybe some nerves go into that as well. So maybe they try to muddle the rest of the way through, right, with these guys, uh, these plug guys like Madero, uh, maybe give another start or two to Holloway before these guys are back. But if they want to go to another arm, I think Poteet's the next guy up. Um, and we're going to end this here. Uh, our last thing on the shrimp is going to be a question. Uh, it's from our guy, Leftward Karst, at Leftward Karst on uh, Twitter. I hope I'm saying that right. We've heard from him before. 
Uh, Braxton Garrett is his question. He asks, Braxton Garrett has been bad so far in Jacksonville. How worried should we be about him at the moment? So again, like we said, it's still way too early to worry about anybody, Braxton included. And uh, you say that, that Braxton Garrett has been bad. Let's really look at his two starts, right? Uh, he has gotten two starts. Triple uh, A is going with uh, the five-man rotation, which makes sense for the highest level. So after two starts, it's 8.2 innings pitched, right? What you don't like about the starts from Garrett is that he wasn't getting ahead early in ABs. I mentioned this before. He really needs to get ahead with first pitch fastball, first pitch strikes, whether it be fastballs or other pitches. Mostly he uses his fastball early in counts. So what does he do in his first game? He starts the game by getting five of eight first pitch strikes. Then he gets in trouble in the third inning. Why? He throws three of seven first pitch strikes, lets up two runs. Comes back in the fourth inning of that start, two strikeouts, day's over, right? First pitch strikes to both of those strikeouts in that inning. So the so second start, six of nine first pitch strikes to start. Then third inning comes around again. Two of six first pitch strikes allows three runs. His final six outs, all first pitch strikes. So outside of two third innings, Braxton has actually been pretty good. I know the line doesn't say that, but you take away those two rough third innings where he lost his command early in his counts and had to challenge. And I think he's been fine. Of course, you want to see that early count command stick all the way through his starts. And that's where Braxton is working on. And that's why he's in AAA. Placing that fastball early, then getting to his secondaries rather than having to challenge in hitters counts. That's what Braxton needs to do to improve. Hear Mattingly say it. It's clear and evident by everything that I just said. So I don't think he's been bad at all. I just think he has a little bit to still iron out with his command and getting it to stick all throughout his starts if he's going to make it up and be that three, four, five kind of starter, right? So yeah, I really don't think Braxton is has been bad. I just think it's a lack of consistency in the command and that's what you want to see stick. Also, just to pinpoint it going forward with Braxton, he's adding in a slider. We heard from Donnie in camp that he's adding that pitch on top of his heat and curve as well as a changeup. So that's definitely something to follow how he's mixing in that pitch and gaining a feel for it. He and the rest of the Jacksonville staff get a good test going to Durham uh, to face the uh, amazing <laughs> uh, minor league system, the highest level of their minor league system of the Tampa Bay Rays, including Wander Franco, who I think is still the best prospect in baseball, rated the best prospect in baseball. So a good test for them. We'll see how Braxton does in his next start. And we'll see how the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp can keep up that offense because it's been really good so far. See if they can take it on the road. All right, guys, so that will do it for mine and Daniel DeVivo's first Monday recap. Uh, I hope this has been constructive for all of you guys. We just want to shed some light on the guys that have impressed us and what we're looking at going forward into the next series and beyond for some of these top Marlins prospects and top performers that we've seen. Maybe a couple under the radar guys that we like personally mixed in there as well. So we want to thank you, as always, for listening in to Swimming Upstream. And a final thank you from me personally on 4,000 followers on Twitter. Amazing milestone for us. Um, I, again, the support for this project all the way through the missed minor league season. And even now, as this, this new season gets started, it's just been ongoing. And I'm so pleased that we're able to bring you this content. I'm so glad that you guys enjoy it. I'm so glad that you guys take the time to listen to my, me and Daniel just spew about our passion in covering Marlins prospects and prospects as a whole really fantastic. I really, really do appreciate all the support. It's fantastic. So to everybody that has followed, listened, read, you know, just, just stuck around for as long as you have. And then the new followers as well, who are here joining us. Thank you so much. We really, really do appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed episode 17 of swimming upstream and me and Daniel will be back next time, next Monday 
for our next recap show. So we'll hope you join us then. Thanks so much for the time. And we'll see you next time on Swimming Upstream. Thank you.